Morning, my name's Aaron. If I missed you uh, when you were coming in, uh, I just want to draw attention to this chalkboard really quick because you're probably wondering. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't used the chalkboard a lot in an educational way. It's mostly been disciplinary in my life. So we're going to see how this goes today. But uh, most of the time it's been something like, I will not hit that person again in like third grade or whatever phrase or Bible verse they had me write. But uh, yeah, that's mostly my experience with the chalkboard. So we're going to give it a go on the educational side today. We'll see how it goes. But uh, guys, excited to continue this series today called Clean Slate. Been in it the past couple of weeks here. Um, Ryan Rodman has been with us the past couple of weeks and uh, started this off. Um, if you remember two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I guess it was now, um, I kind of ended one series and bridged us into this one. I just kind of want to uh, recap a little bit and follow up on how we can enter this conversation together. So really kind of what I set us up for then is coming in uh, this idea of clean slate. When we look at the new year, I think we're ready for change. We're like more willing to change at times, or we kind of are kind of rethinking our lives, right? We're kind of giving a little more intentional thought to um, what we do, how we do it, and all of that. So entering into this series, we're going through a couple of weeks. Last week, we started, um, we said, can we enter into these conversations with kind of an open mind, right? To put aside what we think we know, what we do know, our experience, all of that, kind of wipe the slate clean and think, I'm going to look at what maybe God has to say about this, consider that, um, and see if I can kind of rethink how I think about these things. So entered into that. Um, it was great. We started the first week with a, with a doozy, the view of God, right? How can we look at our view of God with our experience, all of those things, and say, does this, should this change, right? How, how does God actually want me to view him? What does that look like? Um, and that can be a tough one based on our experience. We started out with that one. Uh, the next week we moved in uh, to identity. This was a really great series. Um, and guys, by the way, if you missed any of these weeks, we'd love for you to catch up on these. Uh, you can do that on our app. You can subscribe to our podcast. Uh, get those for free. You can also do it on our website if you go on there. Um, uh, you do not want to miss these couple weeks. They've been really great. Um, and today uh, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about something else. But I think last week kind of set us up really well for this. So we talked about identity last week. And I don't know about you guys when I'm thinking about um, identity, there are so many things in my life and, and your life too, I'm sure, that are fighting for your attention, kind of fighting to define you, um, whatever you're walking through. So Ryan did a great job of kind of putting out, you know, what are the lies that we kind of believe about this? What are the things we tend to believe? And what does God actually say about our identity? One of the things that, that struck me from last week that made me think about this one uh, was Ryan was talking about how uh, words can impact our life. When we look at our identity, there are words that people might have spoken to us, uh, good or bad, that kind of define our life a little bit and give us some identity. And that was kind of huge. I was like, man, there are some words that have been said, right? People can be really hurtful with their words, right? Uh, there, there are words that can maybe you've been living, those have been defining you. And he said, what if we looked at what God says and let him speak some new words into our life and see what he says about that. That impacted me really deeply. And I thought about this because this week we're actually going to talk about family a little bit. We're going to talk about family of God and look at, can we have a clean slate? Can we wipe the slate clean when we look at the idea of family of God, right? If we look at the body of believers, the church people, right? Can we wipe the slate clean and look what God says about that, what he says about our relationship with him, and kind of look at this idea of having a new family, kind of wiping the slate clean there. So really excited about this, um, and I think this can be a difficult subject, uh, when I mentioned the word family, I saw some of your eyes twitch a little bit. You're like, family, we just got through the holidays. We were good, man. Why'd you have to bring it up? Well, here's the reason why. Because sometimes family can be difficult, right? I think if we're honest, some of our pain in life, some of our stress, our frustrations can come from family, 
right? I'm just being honest with you. I'm being real. It's sometimes the people we spend the most time around uh, and we can have the, the craziest relationships with, right? Maybe you've had experiences with family that have really defined you over time and kind of given you a little bit of an angst towards family. And really some of those experiences, they can vary. But I think we all probably have some version of a bad family experience in some way, and it can make it tough. Because a lot of times we remember the bad more than the good because we don't want the bad to happen again, right? You're like, that was bad. That was painful. My body doesn't want that to happen again, so I'm just going to like put that in the front of my mind. And it might be a source of pain for you, something you've been trying to figure out. And you're like, we just got done with Christmas, and people are asking who's coming to what Christmas next year, and it's like a whole thing, and you're like, just stop, everyone. So family can be a little difficult, so I want to look at that today, um, and I think our experiences can uh, range in a lot of different places. I want to tell a little bit of a story um, of family. I think when we look at the idea of a new family being accepted into a family, it can be kind of a hard thing. When my wife and I started dating, we were at, like juniors in high school. Right, so obviously at the peak of your identity and who you are, you're not doing anything weird. You don't look weird at all, right? Let's like, um, I was, I was like a little late probably, so I was like still trying to do some stuff that just wasn't working. I didn't even put a picture up here because it would just like I couldn't handle it. Okay, you just it would be distracting. All right, so I was in my prime, right? I had some like Justin Bieber hair going. I was like real long, it like swooped across here. I had no beard. It was like a remnants of a beard. It's like if the light hit it just right, you're like, hey, that's cool, right? So I was like trying that, and I was like trying to be the best high schooler I knew how to be, all this stuff. My wife and I met, we started dating, and um, I had to try to fit, I started meeting her family, and it was interesting, right? We both grew up in Ashland, Ohio, so like we were both kind of in the country. I mean, I was like, I was redneck, but like her family was like way different than mine, Um, not more redneck or anything, maybe, but like I was, um, you know, I didn't live on a farm. My wife's family, they lived on a small farm, right? They had like goats and everything, so I remember I went over there uh, to meet like her family one time. I think we were painting Easter eggs for whatever reason. I don't know. I was just doing whatever she wanted to do because I was like, this girl likes me. This doesn't happen often, so I'm just going to like kind of go with it here. All right, so we went and we were painting Easter eggs, and I remember her brother, who's about 15 at the time, he was really into dirt bikes and stuff, and so like I just remember showing up to their house, and I was just kind of like, you know how when you meet someone else's family, it doesn't matter if they're weird or not. It's just weird to you because it's not your family, right? You've never done those things, and so you're like, I remember looking at my mother-in-law's like baking fresh bread, which by the way is like the best, but she's like grinding her own flour. I'm like, your flour doesn't like come in a bag? You like grind it up? I'm like, is that a thing that people do? I'm like, do you have a windmill grind? I'm like, what is going on? It was delicious. I ate a lot of it. And so I'm like trying to take all of this in right there. She's like, these are brownies. These are regular brownies. These brownies have beets in them. And I was like, pass on those. Whenever I was sick, uh, her mom would give me like, I call her Mother Earth sometimes because she's so wonderful, and she would give me like these things when I was sick. One turned out to be something that I was supposed to hold in my mouth that was like mostly alcohol, and it burned. And I was like, what are you giving me? Like, am I allowed to have this? So like all these things, I'm learning all this. I remember uh, this particular day, I was out on the front porch, and her brothers really, they weren't, they were not keen with me yet, right? Because I didn't wear like cowboy work boots. I didn't have like the Wranglers on. I was wearing like probably like some weird skateboarding. I don't know, guys. I had the long hair. I looked like I should ride a skateboard. I can't ride a skateboard. I fall off almost immediately, right? This was happening. And so like their view of me, they were like, this dude is weird. Like he doesn't even know how to like change the oil in his car. Yeah, and he's like not country at all, right? And so I remember her brother came around on his dirt bike and he was like, he was 15, so he was doing weird stuff too. And he was just like sitting in front of us, like revving the engine on the dirt bike. And I'm like, I'm a funny person. I'll do something funny. And so I took one of the eggs and I threw it at the dirt bike thinking this will be funny. 
And so it hit the dirt bike, and uh, I don't remember if they were, I think when you paint eggs, they're boiled, so they're not raw, but, like, it sh- it broke and, like, baked on to the engine because it was hot. And and I didn't know that the dirt bike was his life, right? He's, like, this is, like, his identity was the dirt bike. And so he just, like, flipped up the visor. I don't even know if he was wearing a helmet, but it's better for the story. So he flipped up the visor and was, like, he, like, I don't know what he said. It wasn't very kind. But I was like, well, there goes my chances of fitting into the family, right? Like, it was always something different. I was like, I'm not sure if I'm ever going to be able to fit in, right? I go into their garage, and her brother's just, like, taking an entire engine out of a car. And I'm like, I didn't even know you could do that. I thought it just, like, stayed in there. I don't know. So all that to say, right, trying to fit in, right? And by the way, I love her brothers now. We're, like, best of friends. They they taught me how to do a lot of things. Um, they laugh at me still. Sometimes I carry a knife in my pocket because that's how you tell if you're local or not. It's the little clip there. See, I didn't do that when I met them. I should have thought. But like, we're great friends now. But that period of time is when I was thinking, you know what? I don't feel accepted, right? I feel weird. Like, I feel kind of rejected, honestly. I feel like I'm constantly, like, not able to be myself, right? I'm trying to learn this new family, right? And I think a lot of times the feelings that I had there are ones that can be magnified and when we look at the family of God, when we look at, like, entering into, like, a church family, if like, people use the family-type words, and it can sound weird, because you're like, my family is not that fun. So I don't know if I want another one, right? I don't know if I want to engage in this. And we can have some of the same feelings. And, and I think on a more serious note, right, when we're trying to fit into families, you might have church experiences where you're trying to enter into that community of people and you're like, they weren't very nice. Like, honestly, I actually felt rejected by the church. Like, I, I felt like love was conditional in the church or by people who said they were Christians. I felt like they only loved me if, like, as long as I, right? There wasn't, it was weird, and I felt used most of the time. So maybe that's where you're coming from. So uh, I'm going to try to write some things up here that we, that we do believe right now, that these would be what I would consider, like, some of the things that we tend to believe about family. We're going to see how this goes. If it falls over, try to contain your laughter, all right? But I'm going to write a couple of things up here that I think when we look at family, when we start to think about family, if we dig down, a couple of things we might believe or have experience with is that like most of the time I'm starting from a place of like being rejected, right? So I'm going to write this up here, nice and big. Oh, look at that. I, I think I did it. So there's that. All right, rejected. You might, you might feel that. I'm going to put a number one there because I'm a teacher now. So that's what I do. I put numbers by things. And don't ask me to discipline anyone. It won't work. All right, so when we look at that, we would say most of the time I feel like I'm operating from a place of rejection. Or that might be where I ended up. Even with my own family, the family that's actually supposed to be my biological family, I feel a sense of rejection. It might be where we're coming from. I think that's a a very common thing. Uh, The other one is conditional love. And I think this is one that uh, really hits home probably for most of us. Oh, we're going to run out of space here. See, this is the problem, spatial awareness. Oh, no, we're good. All right. So here's two, conditional love. When we think about family, when we think about going on to things that we're doing with our family, the love might feel conditional, right? You might feel like, I, I'm always walking on eggshells because I don't know when the relationship's going to get severed, or I don't know when, I don't know when they're going to like, be offended by me or when they're going to do this or that, right? Conditional love might be something that we tie closely to that. Or man, I, tr- I tried going to church and entering into that community and I felt like they only loved me as long as I conformed to what they believed already. But I wasn't even sold. I'm like just trying to figure it out. And I, I think the third one is this. I don't know where to put it now that I've done this, but we're just going to go right here in the middle. It seems like a good place. All right, so the third one is used. 
I think a lot of times when we think um, about when we think about our family situations, our view of family, a lot of times we might just feel used and abused. You're like, man, that person only really comes around when they know I got the big Christmas bonus. Like, man, they only come around when, uh, when they think they can get something from me. Or, I, you know, I feel like they only call me when their plumbing breaks and we have no other relationship outside of that. They just want me to fix their problem. Or, man, as soon as they go back to doing that, they, they always call me. Right, or it, it, you might feel used in a sense where you're like, I don't know if the relationship that I have with family is contingent on anything but the fact that I have something to offer them. Right? Have you ever felt that way? I think that's one that's really common for a lot of us. Is like, I feel like our relationship only exists based on what I can offer you. And I'm honestly afraid that if that goes away that I won't be accepted anymore. You won't love me. Right, on and on it goes. So family can be difficult. And I think these are some of the things when we think about lies that we might believe about family, that's probably where we land in one or more of those categories there. So this can be really diff- difficult for us as we enter into thinking, when we ask you to start thinking about Jesus and a relationship with him, and we start talking about a family of God, if this is where we're coming from, it's not going to look very appealing, for one. Two, if that's your experience, you're like, I don't know if I want to do that again. Right? I don't know if I want to give it another chance. So I want to take us back and look at what God actually says about these things because what's really important is not what I can stand up here and tell you how nice the church is or how nice the people are, how welcoming they are, how good the coffee is, or, and like what kind of cookies we have. Right? All of that stuff, like all that's great, it's welcoming, but what really matters is what Jesus says about family. What really matters is what the Bible says is true. So as we walk into this today, I want to start to look at this and say, can we maybe wipe this slate clean and start to erase some of these things that we believe or have experienced and replace them with truth that Jesus has given us? I love starting back at Scripture and looking at what God says because that's what really matters. I I, um, work with our students a lot, and one of the things I always tell students is like, don't just believe me because I'm up here standing and someone's, you know, I have a microphone and a Bible. Like, go read it for yourself. See what God says because that's what's important. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at a couple of different verses, um, and they're pretty powerful, right? I think the way that God talks about his relationship with us especially when it comes to that family analogy that he's using and the way that he sees us is very powerful. It can be healing. Um, I think it can bring us a lot of comfort, some hope, uh, because we're coming from, some of us might come from great homes with parents, right? Some of us might come from a very broken home. Some of us might feel like we are ostracized from our family. Some of us might feel like we are cut off. Some of us might feel like our family has imploded, but to listen to the way that God talks about us and the way that he talks about family uh, can be really awesome. So first we're going to look in Romans 8. If you want to turn there, you can. I'll have it on the screen as well. We're going to start in verse 14. We're going to look first kind of at two angles here, starting in Romans 8. The first thing I want to look at is kind of this like vertical angle, we'll call it, just for the sake of, um, of you know, calling it something. So a vertical sense, like between me and God, right? Think vertically. What does God say about family? Like what does it mean for me to be family with God? And then I want to look a little bit at a horizontal plane. Well, okay, now that like, I'm family with God and all these other people are family with God, right? that's kind of like, that makes us all have something in common. So what does this mean like, horizontally for us and all these other people, right? all of us in this room, the, when we say the family of God or the church body, right? not just the building church, but the people in the church, what does it mean for us? So we'll start in Romans 8, looking at what God says about us and our relationship with him. So here's where it starts here in verse 14. 
Um, Romans 8, verse 14, it starts like this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, so those who know Jesus, those who are followers of Christ, are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. So right away we, say, we see that Jesus says when we're followers of Jesus, right, the Spirit that we receive from him when we're followers of Jesus is not to hold us hostage. Right? I don't know if you've ever felt that way with family where it's like they're kind of like trying, because I'm family, they're trying to define my path this way, right? They're controlling me or they're doing this or using it as leverage. It, it's saying that we're not slaves to that, right? It's actually, we're not living in fear of losing that, but God has actually brought about adoption through that. We're going to talk a little bit more about that word. Here's what it goes on to say, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father is a kind of endearing term that they would have used, right? It's actually kind of an intimate father word. There's several words that mean father, but this would be like the one that uh, that you would maybe like call your dad, right? Everybody's a dad, right? I'm a dad because I have a son, this person's dad, but the, the word that you call your dad is a little more intimate than that, right? It's not just a overall, it's the, the term you use. So it's saying, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So here's the great part about these couple of verses. There's a couple of key things here. Uh, the first one is adoption. Right? When we talk about that word adoption, when we think about that, I was, I was thinking immediately about what I know uh, when I think about adoption. I, I see a lot of my friends, people I grew up with on, on social media, some of their families have gone down the road of adoption. Right? They've adopted children. Just what a celebratory time that is for them. Uh, a hard road, but when they get there, it's a joyous occasion because it means that someone has a family now. It's pretty awesome. When we look at our relationship with God, what he's saying here when he says the word adoption is that God is actually adopting us. That's pretty powerful. Right? It's not that just that God's like claiming us or he's saying, I created you, so you're mine. He's, you know, he's adopting us. And that brings some implications with it. Right? When we start to talk about adoption, it means that we are automatically, when we start to be family with Christ, when we're adopted, right, we start to share his name. That means that we're heirs, right? When you think about someone adopting, it means that everything that a blood child, right, a, a child who's your biological child would receive, when you adopt someone into your family, they get all of those same rights and privileges. That's pretty incredible. When we talk about Jesus and we see the things that he described, right, what we're sharing in are all of the rights and privileges of heaven Jesus' glory, his power, his wisdom, right? We are sharing in all those things because he has adopted us into his family. That is incredibly powerful and meaningful for our relationship with Jesus because it just doesn't just mean that we're still living our lives, right? It means that now we have Jesus' name. I was thinking about it this way too when you think about uh, when I was younger, when I was going to get my first job, like people would be like, oh yeah, go down there and tell them I sent you, you know, like, you would use someone's name to do that, or you go down and like, well, tell them who your dad is, right? Or like, tell, like for me, it was like I needed all the help I could get at that time because they're like, okay, it says here you've been in detention more than the actual classroom. How do we, okay, we don't want to hire you, right? So like, I need all the help I can get, but you think about when, when you're part of someone's family, right, you start to reap the benefits of that a little bit sometimes. When, when Jesus adopts us into his family, we are afforded all of the rights and privileges of heaven and the things that Jesus offers. It's really incredible. And even more meaningful is this, when, when our family isn't going well, our biological family, right? We all have different experiences, but man, if we feel abandoned by our family, 
we have no family. Maybe our family's around, but we feel like they don't accept us. They've rejected us. This means that Jesus is saying, no, I, I want to adopt you into my family. Right? I want to afford you all of the things that all of my children get together. So this is really powerful when we think about this because this is what it means for us and God. It means that we share his name. And so we start to share in all of the things that Jesus has and shares with us. So it doesn't mean health, wealth, and happiness, right? That would be the, the ideal thing. You're like, oh, cool. Do I get like lots of money and cool stuff then? You're like, that's neat. Not necessarily, right? Jesus, Jesus has a different plan for us, right? It says even in that verse that we share in his suffering so we can also share in his glory. So that means whatever we're going through in life, right, whatever our current circumstance is, we have the hope of a relationship with Jesus. That means we have eternal life with him. We have the glory of heaven, right? We have the wisdom of how to make the most of our circumstances, right? We have a God that we can go directly to for help, right? We can pray for healing. We can pray for hope. We can pray for help. All of those things we start to have access to. Right? You think of the difference between having access to someone who is not your family and the person who is your family. Right? I always think of my grandpa. I'm like, well, if I wanted money, I just always went to grandpa. Right? If I wanted something, that's what I did. I didn't go to anyone else's grandpa. I went to my grandpa because my relationship with him meant that he was probably going to give me a dollar for ice cream. Right? That's what it happened. So when we look at our relationship with Jesus, right, it starts to be this very, that's why we say Father God and all those things because it would be the relationship of a loving father to his child. So whatever your experience is with family, what Jesus is offering is a loving, the way it should be, father in relationship to his children. It's really, really powerful. So that's the first way we kind of have to look at it here. The second way is this. Uh, when we start to look at horizontally, what does this mean for like the rest of us? Because if we're all adopted, right, once we follow Jesus, when, we're offering, when he offers that to us, when we start to follow him, that means that we all share something in common now, right? It's like, we're all like, Children of God, right? We're brothers and sisters in Christ. You might even hear people say that. And it's not in a weird way or anything. It just means that we share something in common. We've been adopted into that family, so we share in all of those rights and privileges. But it starts to mean some other things. I love in the uh, Ephesians, it starts to talk about this a little more. So if you want to go to Ephesians 2, we'll start to talk a little bit more about, okay, now that we're in the family of God, right? We talk about that. If we're following Christ, we, we are adopted in the family. What does this start to mean for everyone else, or what does it mean for me and the others around me? Because let's be honest, sibling stuff is hard too, right? When we think about family, right, connecting with the other people in our family can be really hard. Here's what he says about this in Ephesians 2. Um, Consequently, because we know Jesus, because we're adopted into that family, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So this is kind of a big deal, right? It says we're no longer foreigners and strangers, right? Uh, that's the funny thing about when you come and start to be a part of a community, right? Most of you are coming from places that are all different, right? Any community. Think about a church community. Maybe think about like the gym you go to, wherever it is, right? Those places that you go and find community, you're all coming from different places, but you have something in common with each other that you're sharing a bond in, you're sharing experience over, right? All of these things. That is what God intends to happen when we are in the family of Christ, Right? We share in common that we share in the hope of Jesus, uh, the, the relationship with Jesus. And so we become fellow citizens with God peoples and members of his household. I was thinking about this too. I'm like, well, ideally, when you think about a household, right, you think about everybody pitching in, right? When you're all members of a household, everybody cares, everybody kind of carries their weight. And some of you are like, 
yeah, right, been trying that for a while, hasn't been going so well. So-and-so's slacking off on their chores over here, right? The siblings in the room are like, yeah, you should see my brother, what he gets away with. But when we think about a household, ideally, we would think that that means that we're going to support each other, right? We're going to work together to keep the household, like, in order. We're going we're gonna to keep, like, working together. We're going to share the weight. We're going to be more willing to lend our time to these people, right? We, and, and really, what, when we look at a household, right, we look at the direction of the household, Right? Ideally, when we look at a household, they're going somewhere together, right? Intentionally or unintentionally, like you're going somewhere, right? Because like mom and dad, they're in charge of the household and they're kind of like leading us somewhere, right? So we're going somewhere. And some of you are like, yes, going to heck in a handbasket, right? You're like, I don't know where, things are messy, things are going on, I don't know where we're going, right? But, but we are going somewhere, we have a direction. What's awesome about this is, is this is how Jesus describes this as, as different and how this makes a difference in our actual lives is that Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. You could tell all kinds of history about Cornerstone, but the essence is when they used to build buildings, that was the part that kind of set the tone for everything else that was being built on it. It was the strongest. It held it all together, kind of mapped it out, right? This is what it was built on. This was the direction it was going. So when we look at sharing these things in common, when we look at, you know, we're no longer foreigners, we're like, we're together in this. We're, a ho- we're joining a household of people. What this starts to mean for us is we're looking to Jesus for that direction. And it's not always going to be perfect and rainbows and sunshine and all that, right? Like, we're, we're going to be following Jesus and looking to what he says, what direction we should go, how we should handle conflict, what love should look like, right? What direction we're going. So we're looking to Jesus for the direction that he's sending us. And remember, we're adopted into this family, so we start to get all of these resources, right? We can look to God's word for wisdom, right? We have direct access to him to ask for help because we know we can't do it by ourselves, So Jesus starts to actually set the direction of this household. So that's a big deal, right? Because first we're adopted into this family, right? We're trying to figure it out. And and really Jesus is offering us something different there. Because when Jesus is adopting us, he's like, I'm kind of giving you different inheritance. It's not just going to be a a boatload of money or nothing, right? Like, uh, sorry for my kids, right? It's like like, uh, Jesus isn't just offering us these, these monetary things or these material things. Jesus is actually offering us hope no matter what's going on here right whether all the money's gone jesus is offering us a, a a relationship with him and then all of us together right that's how the family of god starts to operate so in the in the church when we're looking despite your experience what god actually intends is that we're all following him that we're all looking to him for direction and looking at how we should operate so these things that we wrote up here earlier they start to look a little different Right, if we're adopted in the family of God and this is what God is offering us and we're looking and saying, this is how I operate with other people now, these should hopefully start to look a little different because these things don't really fit with what we see here. Right? It doesn't really fit with what God shows us throughout his word. Right? We can scour the Bible and see what God says about family and love and forgiveness and what it means to be a good uh, a father or mother or sibling or whatever and we're probably not going to find these things. But that brings us back to the fact that a lot of these things are most of our experiences. So what does God intend to do with these things? So I think there's a lot of things that we, that we start to do. And, and here's, here's what we want to start to do is we want to start to take these things. All right, we have this nice, awesome chalkboard up here. And we want to start to erase these things. Right? We want to wipe the slate clean of these things and start to replace them with the truth that God starts, that God wants to offer us. It starts to look like this. Uh, the first thing is this, 
right, when we have a relationship with Jesus, right, if we're learning about this and, and we're saying, how do, I, how do I have this family? Like, how do I start to engage this family? It's by following Jesus, right? It's very, very simple, right? We go to God. We say, God, I know I need you in my life. I know I have sin in my life to take care of, right? And God says that if we go to him, we confess our sins and um, say that he is Lord, right? He will save us. And it's not just that he's like, well, now that you've begged me for it, I'll give it to you. No, he's, he's doing it from a fatherly place. He's saying, I want to love you. He's wanting to be adopted. And I, and I don't know exactly how it works. I've never been in this situation, but I assume if you don't want to be adopted by someone, it's probably not going to happen. I don't know for sure. But, but for the sake of this, right, think about how that would be if you didn't want to be adopted, right? We have to go to Jesus. And what he's offering us, what he's saying is there, is, there isn't a rejection here. There's not a reason for Jesus to reject us. It's acceptance. What we really have to do is start to look and say, Jesus, I want that. I want to be a part of this family. I want to wipe the slate clean. I want to let you define what I'm doing. So my hope would be that we could look and we could erase this, right, this rejected word. I'm going to try not to knock this over still. Reject it, and we would replace it with the truth because here's when we look at what Jesus wants to do, he wants to replace that with something else, and, and that would be belong. Right? Jesus wants us to look at family and, and the family of God and say we belong. Shouldn't even be a question. Right? Jesus says that we do belong. If we, every follower of Christ belongs in the family of God. That's how it is. So if you know Jesus, and Jesus wants everyone to belong in the family of God. So when we believe in Jesus, when we have a relationship with him, when we say yes to Jesus, we belong in the family of God. There's no one who doesn't offer anything there's no one who's not good enough. There's no one whose mistake was too big. There is no too far gone. There is nothing that separates. Every follower of Christ belongs in the family of God. It's so simple, but it's very powerful to think there is nothing that could remove me from the family of God. And that might be a place where you have to come to reconciliation with a little bit because that begs the question, you know, do I want to be a part of this family. God says he will adopt me. He will give me all of these things, right? I will be co-heirs with Christ. Right? I can share in all the glory of heaven, the hope. I can share in the love. Right? I can share in the family of God. But do I belong? Do I want to follow Christ? Because all I have to do is say yes to what Jesus is offering me and I automatically belong. And we start to work towards the other things together. So that's the first one we want to say, can I maybe erase that in my life? And maybe my experience has been rejection. And can I kind of put that aside and see what Jesus wants to do in my life? Can I see how God actually intended it to be and say, there is a family that I belong to always that's unconditional. The second thing is this, we look at conditional love. Um, what Jesus wants to do is change that um, to being unconditional love, right? And instead of, instead of conditional love, we are automatically accepted. I got the wrong, I got the clicker instead of the eraser. Right? When we look at this, we want to erase this idea of conditional love and see the fact that, you know what? Jesus says that we are accepted no matter what. It's unconditional love. There's a stark contrast there because unconditional love says a lot of things. Right, when we look at the idea of unconditional love and we're accepted, we're not accepted by what we can offer. We're actually accepted by what we could never offer. And here's what I mean by that. We, we have, there's nothing that we could muster up and give to Jesus that would change his mind about anything. The reason that we're accepted is because God said that we are. God has given us unconditional love, something that I'm certain I could never offer anyone. 
right? I'd love to say that I could. I try to do that, but I can't, right? I can't be perfect, right? We're, we are accepted because Jesus said that we are. He did that for us. Because when we belong to the body of Christ, right, we start to have access to that family of God. We, we are inheriting those things from him, and one of those things is acceptance and unconditional love. There's nothing we can do to be removed from the love of God. It's pretty incredible. And by the way, this, this starts all the time. Right? We have to say yes to Jesus to belong to the family of God, but this acceptance is something that God is literally standing there waiting for you to come to him. Right? He's, not, he's not saying, well, let's fix this first. Right, man, if you, if you can get this family situation in order over here, it's a little messy, then, or, or man, like, uh, I don't, you made that mistake over there, right? God is saying, no, come to me as you are. You're accepted, right? And we'll start to be a part of the family of God. This becomes super powerful. The last thing we want to replace um, is this idea of, of used, right? It never feels good to be used. I, like, couldn't really think of a good word other than like icky when you feel used you're like you kind of walk away like I think I was just used and you're like kind of mortified with yourself it does not feel good ever to feel like you were used and sometimes you don't realize it until later and you're like I think they used me and it starts to like really resonate and you're like are you kidding me I ought to like you're like this is embar- it's embarrassing it feels terrible so this idea of being used uh, what we want to start to replace that with is this truth that, you know what, God actually it doesn't use us. He does, but not in this sense. So just hang with me, right? God would look at us and say, we're actually celebrated. I don't even know if I'm spelling anything right on here, so you can crack at me later for that. Celebrated. When we look at the, this idea that God wants to change in our lives, this idea of being used, he wants us to be celebrated. So instead of being used for what we have, God is saying, whatever you have, Right, we want to celebrate that and find a great way to use that. I love one of our church values is there's no spare parts. And I don't know if you've ever felt like a spare part before. It's not really that fun. I think when I was meeting my wife's family and they were always like hanging out in the garage, I'm like, seriously, guys, I, don't, I can't even like make jokes out here. I don't know what any of this stuff is. Right, we're standing out there. They're like under a car doing something. And I'm like, I feel like a spare part, but like one that you don't use. Right? It's just always sitting over there like nobody ever replaces their cabin air filter. Like That's what I felt like. So there I was, right? So maybe you felt that way. But what God is saying is there's no spare parts. God is saying you have a place in the family of God. You are not being used, right? You're actually being celebrated. And I love to think of it this way. Instead of feeling used, we get to be used. And here's what I mean by that is when we think about the opportunity to get to be used, when we're part of a family, right? The idea is that a family would be supportive, Right? Not of whatever you're doing, but supportive in helpful ways. So instead of feeling like I was used and abused and like ridden hard and put away wet, like it's that horrible feeling you get, it's like I actually feel like I get to be used. I feel like I matter. Right? The things that how talented I am, the talents that God has given me, the things that I'm good at, the things I like to do, I actually get to use those for a greater purpose. Some of that is supporting the, the rest of my family when they're in times of need. Some of that is just is like serving and being able to connect people to Jesus, to love them, right? I get to be used in a way that is helpful, in a way that is fulfilling, uh, in a way that I don't leave feeling used, right? This is a great thing. So God wants to replace these things, right? He wants us to feel like we belong. He wants us to feel accepted, and he wants us to feel celebrated. And so this leaves us a couple of places, and this is where I'm going to kind of wrap up here a little bit. Um, is I, I think this kind of leaves us, if we're thinking about wiping the slate clean here, 
uh, we want to erase those things and replace them. So if you find yourself in one of these places, I think there's a couple things uh, that we can do. The first one is, I think, you know, if we're at a place where we, we feel like there isn't a place where we belong, and maybe you don't know Jesus, you're kind of investigating it, you're thinking like, what is the, the family of God thing is weird to me, my experience has been horrible. When we look at what Jesus said, I would ask you to think about, do I want to be in the family of God? Right? Do I need to say yes to Jesus for the first time? Because then I start to take on the things that I, maybe I can get some wisdom to help try to make sense of my life or my circumstance. Maybe, maybe I can actually get some physical help from people who are in the same place or have been in the same place as me. Right? Maybe, maybe God can bring those people into my life. Maybe it's, maybe it's that I always feel like I'm rejected and I just need a place to belong. Right? I need people not to judge me for the things I do or don't do, but actually accept me and, and try to help me find my place. The second thing is like, maybe, maybe you're feeling like you're, you're conditionally loved, like you felt like I was only welcome if this was the place. I would encourage you to think about, um, you know, we have discovery group coming up. We have some life groups that we offer here at the church, and there's just body believers. I would ask you to maybe think about engaging in some way into the body of Christ. And maybe you feel like, man, I, I, don't, I feel like I was only conditionally loved by those people. And maybe that's the first step is to say, you know what, I'm going to give it another shot here and engage people on these terms because I can, be, I can actually be accepted. And maybe that's you thinking about the fact that, you know what, I thought that Jesus wasn't conditional thing. I thought that I was always operating from a place where what I was doing was, was giving me a, a balance or it was transactional and I was either loved or not loved by God, and I'm just always trying to work towards being loved by God. When the truth is that it's unconditional love, right? It's already, you're already loved, so we're actually operating from a place where we have love, right? We're not trying to earn it. We can't. Last thing is maybe you feel like you're in a place where you've been used, and you're like, I've done this before, and people find out what I do, and they just want to use me all the time, and, and I feel used by my family. I feel used for my resources. I feel used for all this Man, what if, what if there's a place where God can say, you know, we actually want to, God wants to celebrate that and, and help you to understand maybe ways where it can be beneficial to the family of God, right? Or maybe God wants to celebrate you for those things and make you realize that that isn't your identity. That's why identity ties so well into this because we're not defined by the stuff that we have, right? If our identity is in what we have, the talents we have, the things we can do, right, then we feel used a lot, but if our identity is in Christ, we start to belong to the family of God. We're adopted, right? We start to be celebrated because we are God's children. So I don't know where you're at with all of that, but I think that's where we can kind of say, can we wipe the slate clean here? Whether it's our, our own family right now that we're like, I don't know if there's a family I can belong to. Or you're like, you know, I kind of, I need other people in my life. Like I'm feeling I have that void. And we can enter into the body of Christ in a good way. I'm going to pray for us and wrap us up here, and then the band's going to give us some space so that we can think about this a little bit and see what God is maybe asking us to do and maybe wiping the slate clean. Uh, let me pray for us. God, we, we love you, and we thank you um, that our identity is not um, in just the things we can do or the way that we feel, but God, our identity is in you. And God, because of that, when our identity is in you, we enter into a new family. God, family can be such a tough thing. But God, we know that you have better things in mind for us. We know that uh, a family, God, that you look at is uh, you want us to feel that we belong. God, you want us to feel accepted and celebrated. 
And God, those truths outweigh all the other things that people may have spoken to us. They outweigh our experiences with family. God, you want us to feel like we belong. God, we're so thankful that because of your love for us, we are adopted into your family. And God, what that means is that not just that we get a bunch of stuff, but God, that we, fe- we can maybe feel loved for the first time. God, that we can feel like we have a family to belong to. God, one that, uh, that celebrates us for who we are, accepts us unconditionally, and loves us uh, nevertheless. God, we, we thank you for that. So God, wherever we are, whether we, we need to kind of wipe the slate clean for how we engage with the church body, and that's been our hesitation to engage with the church this past experience, God, help us to have the courage to do that and God, to maybe think of it in a different way, the way you would intend it. God, if our first step is to say yes to you for the first time because we just kind of feel lost, God, help us to complete that step of adoption and joining the family and say yes to you. God, is putting ourselves before you and saying, God, we know you've forgiven us and we want to accept that forgiveness and join your family. God, uh, you, you meant for family to be joyous, to be something that's celebrated and loved. And God, we know that you can even help us as we try to mend and heal our earthly families. You can set a direction for us. So God, wherever we are, I pray that we would respond to that. You would continue to speak to our hearts. And uh, God, help us to make the decisions that we need to make. We love you, God, and we thank you for the work that you do in our lives and the way that you love us so well. 